Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? We appreciate you joining us. This is the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shockley. My co-host, my man Scotty D, will be along quickly to chime in with me. But before we get started, we also always have to thank Snappy Makes Homes Happy for continuing to be a partner sponsor of the Triple Threat Podcast. Remember, Snappy provides electrical, plumbing, and heating and air service to all of Metro Atlanta, lifetime parts and labor, which is, I mean, I stress it every week, lifetime. Lifetime people, locally owned and operated, supporting numerous local high schools uh, in the area. And if you know you're looking to see about what they can help you with, here's their their number: 770-424-SNAP. Or you can check them out on the web at, at snappyservices.com. Electrical, plumbing, heating, and air. And we have a pretty cool promo code here. We're using uh, use triple threat, and you receive seventy five dollars off an appointment. Uh, in the future. So don't forget, call them up, 770-424-SNAP, and use the promo code triple threat and receive 75 bucks off. Hashtag snappy makes homes happy. So we appreciate you guys joining us. This is the Triple Threat Podcast, and today we got a great show, man. We got my guy, Auburn legend. I mean, not Auburn. I said Auburn because this guy, you know, Alabama, Auburn, they all together to me, but <laughs> No. He would be mad at me. I cannot say that. This is Alabama legend. My man, Roman Harper, played for the Carolina Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, played in two Super Bowls, won one Super Bowl. Uh, We got a lot that we talk about in the interview today. We're going to get into the big Georgia-Bama matchup, of course. He's an Alabama guy. I'm a Georgia guy, so we talk all about it. A lot of interesting things talked about in that interview. So uh, you guys hang on a little bit. He'll be on here in a minute. And like I mentioned, Alabama legend Roman Hopper would be joining the Triple Threat Podcast. And while we're talking about dudes who in the NFL, let's jump into the NFL world. Why don't we? Sad news in uh, Atlanta. Scotty D, we both are guys who live in Atlanta. I played for the Falcons. This week, the Atlanta Falcons fired head coach Dan Quinn and general manager Thomas Dimitrov after the team started 0-5. Uh, last season started the year one and six. Arthur Blank went ahead and pulled the trigger and said, We will be looking for a new coach. Raheem Morris will step in as the interim head coach. He was the defensive coordinator to start the year. So now they move Albright to the defensive coordinator. Dirk Carter is still the offensive coordinator. But there will be a new regime in Atlanta. Scotty D. First time mm-hmm. people get to hear from you. Thoughts on the Falcons firing Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov? I mean, I, you know more. You, you, you're smarter than I am, at, uh, I don't at know least about you're football. You're, you're at least about football. I, I think it was time, and I, I know a lot of fans around here think it's way past time. But uh, I will say this. Dan Quinn um, was a class act. No doubt. His, no doubt. Um, 
his players loved him. It was, Absolutely. It was, it was, it was clear, uh, always was clear. Um, I have nothing but respect for Dan Quinn as a, as a man for certain. Yeah. Um, but repeated defensive failures, somebody's got to take the fall. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it, it, it had to be him at this point. And, yeah. um, and, and, and look, Thomas Dimitrov had a pretty long run here. I don't, I don't know what the average GM stays, the average length of time that a GM stays with a team, but, um, he had a long run. And he had he some he, he had did. some success, um, had some some draft hits and some misses, yeah. And uh, but I, I you know it's not something I want. But at this point, um, I don't feel too sorry for him. Those guys are set up pretty good. Um, yeah. But at this point, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk Eric Bieniemy. That's what I'm yeah. ready to talk. I'm, you know? I'm sure the Houston Texans are looking to talk yeah. Eric Bieniemy as well. So he will definitely be one of the the hot head coaches. Uh, that everybody would be looking for, assistant coaches, I should say right now, uh, that everybody would be looking for. But, uh, yeah, unfortunate situation. But as we know, this is a results business. Mm-hmm. Wins and losses are what matter. And the Falcons did not get enough wins during the tenure. And uh, as a, I, I've known Dan Quinn since he's been here. Uh, like you mentioned, stand-up guy. Uh, wins, losses. And whenever you hear players talk about him, they love him. Uh, he brought was really was a true brotherhood to – uh, that ball club, but at the end of the day, just did not get enough wins. So the Falcons will have a new coach. Other news around NFL, saw a gruesome injury from Dak Prescott. Mm. I hated to see that for him, especially because of the financial part of it that he was going through. Yeah, uh, All the talk in the offseason, we talked about it, why Jerry didn't pay him. Uh, but Dak has that uh, compound fracture of his ankle and breaks his ankle in the game uh, this past week. Andy Dalton comes in. Uh, and this is why you go out and you pay these guys to be your backup because of situations like this. But I do feel bad for Dak Prescott yeah. that uh, this injury happened. Uh, do you feel as though Andy Dalton can right the ship? Because right now, Dallas Cowboys are in first place. Yeah. Does I that change anything without having Dak? I don't think it does because that division is garbage. <laughs> um. I really feel, Scott. I'm still waiting for the Eagles. I, I still don't understand what's going on with the Eagles. Keep but, waiting. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. Yeah. Well. Um, so I, I still think they can win the division. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect anything much past that, though. Yeah. Well, we, here's the interesting thing. They still have tons of talent. Mari Cooper yeah. on the outside, C.D. Lamb, and I think this offense changes a little bit. I think they go back to what they were a couple years ago with Zeke. Where Zeke was downhill, he was running, he was mm. leading the league in rushing. And now you still have a proven quarterback that can win ball games for you. This is a guy that's done it in the league, been to the yeah. you know playoffs, hasn't won a lot of playoff games, but he's yeah. been there uh, and he's a proven guy. So that's why you got to get an Andy Dalton. But I think this team goes back to the run threat that it was uh, a few years ago. Yeah. So it, it may bode well for him. Uh, other big games this weekend, Cleveland goes back to Pittsburgh. I know you're excited to see that because Miles Garrett gets to – uh, see the Pittsburgh Steelers again and that debacle that he had that uh, suspended him for the last, you know, part of that season last year. Green Bay at Tampa. Mm-hmm. Rodgers versus Brady. Who wins? Oof, who wins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. I'm gonna go with, I'll go with the home team, but oh, that's a hard one, man. That's a hard one. I ain't going one. with the home team. Did you see, have you seen Aaron Rodgers this year? <laughs> I've caught him a couple of times, yeah. This dude is playing it's unbelievable. Gonna, it's going to be a – I can't wait to watch that game. 
Yeah, that's going to be a good game. Another big-time game, you got Kansas City at the Bills. Kansas City coming up and lost to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I don't think Kansas City has played really well throughout the year, man. They, they've had to come back in most of their games except for the Ravens. They dominated. But the Bills coming off a loss as well. So yeah. two teams coming off L's coming into that ball game. So it should be a pretty exciting weekend for uh, the National Football League. Before we go on, I want to give – the Los Angeles Lakers, some praise. Yep. LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers get their fourth win. I mean, get their fourth title, I should say. LeBron does get his fourth title. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you surprised at the uh, competition in which that Jimmy Butler and that Heat team brought? No, man. I mean, not based on what we saw the whole playoffs. Um, I think I told you it would go to six games last week, or I at least Did you said, say that? You said that? I, I at least said it wouldn't surprise me if it goes to six games. Oh, you, okay. you ready to call it at five? I, I, I was, no doubt. I was, I was, uh, I gave him, I gave him that game five win. But uh, no, I mean, I, I'm a little, I'm a little over the the goat discussion, <laughs> and it's not just about LeBron, man. It's man, everybody's the goat of this, the goat of that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I feel I'm you. over it. I saw awesome uh, so thrown around too loosely right it, now. It's huh? just – yeah, it's just too much. It's like all the lists, all the yeah. lists that came out during COVID when there was nothing else going on. But yeah. I saw a pretty cool soundbite uh, this week was uh, Michael Jordan. I don't know if it was after his sixth title or what, but basically they just said, does this put you above Russell and Magic and, and all these guys? And, he, and, and I loved how he, how he explained that, you know, everybody plays in different times. I'm not, yeah. I'm not about to take anything – from Bill Russell, from Wilt, from from Magic. I'm not taking anything from those guys, you know. Yeah. So he, he deflected all that goat talk, and I respect that. And yeah. obviously I'm biased. You know, I don't know if I, I'll, I don't know if I'll ever be able to accept that anybody's better than, <laughs> than MJ because, I you know, I lived, I lived during Dang. that era. Yeah. No doubt. I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm, a, I'm an MJ fan too, man. I, I still think MJ is the greatest. So uh, LeBron, LeBron is up there, no doubt. He's, oh, yeah. part of that. He's a part of that quote-unquote list. Oh yeah, but uh, after watching that ten-part docu series with with Mike and the stuff mm-hmm. he used to go through, uh, I'm sure LeBron will have his when he's done. But uh, he's definitely worthy of being in that conversation. So, congrats to the Lakers on their big championship win. Um, let's jump into uh, baseball, man. College football, you say? Let's talk about baseball. Uh, just for a quick, golf? just for a quick sec, just a quick sec. Golf? The Braves, the Braves are leading your Dodgers right now. How do you feel about that? We won't stay on it long, but I know we can see the pennant right behind you right there. I've always been a Tampa Bay Rays fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you take it down. So the Braves are up, man, which is cool. Uh, the Astros are down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Bravo's making it interesting, man. I don't think a lot of people thought that uh, they would have the Dodgers on the They're road. looking good. They look, they, they've looked good. We'll see, we'll see what, what uh, the Braves can bring after their two aces that they have. Those two young guys have pitched unbelievably yeah. the, the whole time they've been up, but, but the last few weeks they've been really, really solid. All right, coming up in about five minutes, we got my man Roman Harper, mm. Alabama legend, playing in the league for a number of years, Super Bowl champion. Um, but <laughs> Scotty's fighting somebody off right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, about five minutes, man, we got my man Roman Harper coming on, and he's going to talk about the big matchup. We're actually both going to talk about the big matchup oh. that's happening this weekend on primetime, 8 o'clock, Georgia versus Alabama. Uh, me, me and Roman going to talk about it, but I want to hear what you have to say about it, Scotty D. What do you think happens in that ball game? Oh, Who man. wins? And is it going to be changing of the guard or is it going to be the same old hat? Oh, gosh, man. I didn't know you were going to ask me 
first of yeah. all, let, first yeah. of all, let me just say to our listeners, do not miss this interview with Roman Harper. It is phenomenal. Yeah, my dude. That my dude, dude, dude is that dude is amazing. The way he the way he breaks stuff down and this insight that he gives on the the Super Bowl and playing at Alabama, oh, it is unbelievable. Great interview. Now, I'm I'm gonna go with you got six point dot. Now, 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 see, this is the thing. Be, who wins? Come on. Make I'm, a decision. I would bet Georgia plus six. Can I? Can That's I not just, saying they're going to win. You're saying Georgia plus six. That just means they cover. They can lose 38 to 35 and you'd be happy. No. Do they win or do they lose? Georgia wins. Oh, you heard it. Scotty D just said it. Georgia will win the ball game in Tuscaloosa. Okay. Okay. I like it. Now, other news around college football, there are a couple of teams who had to postpone, man. LSU has to postpone their game yeah. versus Florida, as Florida had 18 positives among scholarship players, three versus, three were walk-ons, and Florida had less than 50 players on scholarship if they was going to play the ball game. So LSU, Florida postponed mm. for this weekend. Missouri and Vanderbilt also postponed. Vanderbilt had a number of positive COVID tests as well. So – we're seeing some of the remnants of uh, what college football season looks like and looks like it's going to be pushed back a little bit as far as when these teams will play again. Interesting yeah. stuff going on, man, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, one of the news in the ACC, uh, there has a contender that has started to arise, mm-hmm. the North Carolina Tar Heels. DJ loves him some Tar Heels this year. The Tar Heels right now ranked number – I think they're number five right now. They're ranked number five, but my thing is – if they will make a run at Clemson, they will be tested because they have to play Notre Dame on mm-hmm. November 27th mm-hmm. and then turn around the next week and play Miami. So right. if they get through that gauntlet, they deserve a shot at Clemson. Yeah. Do you think they have a real legitimate shot at beating Clemson? At beating Clemson? I don't even get to say anything about those because I think they win those other two games. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think Notre Dame is is your typical inflated Notre Dame ranking. But mm-hmm. – um. Mm, 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 mm. That's no, a good one, man. No, the answer is no. Clemson's, yeah. Clemson's, Clemson's too good, man. Too okay. good, too deep. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, we got a lot of good stuff, man, happening this weekend. Um, anybody interested? I, I'm on the Texas A&M and the Mississippi State ball game, which will be on ESPN at 4 o'clock. Uh, looking oh. forward to that game. Texas A&M, Kelly Mon played good last week. Beat. Scotty D. Florida Gators last week. Yeah, I had to bring that up for you. I know you want to see that. Uh, but uh, Mississippi State, the air raid offense, we haven't seen it un- since week one. Yeah. They've struggled in the last two, two weeks, so we'll see how that outcome happens. But without further ado, my man, Alabama legend Roman Hopper, joins the Triple Threat Podcast next. Stay tuned. I'm telling you, it's going to be worth the listen. Roman Hopper coming up next. And welcome back to the Triple Threat Podcast. And I told you he was coming on. We got my man, Alabama legend, Super Bowl champ. Actually been to the Super Bowl two times. My man, Roman Harper. Ro, what's up, man? What's up, man? Uh, I hear the crowd going crazy. Yeah, they're going about. crazy. They're clapping. I, I, don't know what it, I heard that. I was hearing it. I was hearing that. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate you joining the show, man. Obviously, 
Uh, we wanted to get you on here to talk about the big game this weekend, obviously Georgia, Alabama, two versus three. Before we get into all that and, you know, we go back and forth about the dogs and tie, let's go back to, to early years of my man growing up at Prattville, Alabama. Talk about growing up, what it was like, kind of uh, the, the area that made you who you are. Yeah, man. So it's uh, for most people that don't know, it's pretty much dead smack in the middle of the state. All right. Um, we're right north of Montgomery, which is the capital. Most people should know that. Even the people <laughs> with the education from the state of Montgomery <laughs> should know Montgomery is the capital. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we're right north of the capital. And uh, population, not a lot, man. It's, it's gotten a lot bigger as I've uh, grown up, man, and, and aged. And now we actually got real restaurants and stuff like that. But growing up, man, when I was there. You say real yeah, restaurants. Like, yeah. like So, uh, so, so what y'all had before? Oh, it's just a McDonald's, bro. McDonald's. <laughs> That's it? Like a Little Caesars, Church's Chicken, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just little yeah. stuff. We had a Quincy's, too, now. Quincy's used to be busting, so. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So now, man, no, now we got, like, real stuff. So it's kind of cool just seeing how my, my town has kind of gotten bigger and everybody that's moved out of Montgomery has all come over there to not only Prattville, but Millbrook. Now you see Wetumpka's gotten bigger in the state of Alabama, so. It's cool, man. Just looking back, my high school really hasn't changed. It's got a lot more kids in it now. Yeah. But when I go back home, I still sleep in my same bunk bed when I go back to my parents. Bro, you're not sleeping in your same bunk bed. Stop playing. I, I, I do, man, for real. My wife and kids <laughs> sleep over in on my brother's room where uh, he's got like one big bed. But oh, I can't man. sleep in there with all them. I can't sleep in there with all them. So I just go back to my bunk bed, bro. So head, it's cool. Head, headlines of the story. Roman still sleeps in bunk beds. That's what we're going to tell everybody. Uh, hey man, obviously, uh, you had to have some success in high school to be recruited by Alabama. I know you recruited by everybody else uh, around the country. Talk about uh, the high school days and how you turned into the the player that end up everybody keeps seeing was seeing at Alabama. Well, um, dude, it was not always that way. So my brother <laughs> was the big time, my brother was a big time guy um, before me, and then all of a sudden he left and went off to Troy State. And I remember when I would go in business with him, I kind of just talked to myself and told myself personally, like, man, I could do that. Like, I want to go and be yeah. recruited. I want to be, and you know, sometimes you don't know what's even out there or available until you see it right before you or that, you know, maybe right. you have that chance. And then once I saw him go through that whole process, then it was just up to me. So then that, that following summer, I really just put the time in. Uh, and then next, you know, my coaches put me at quarterback and I wasn't just a defensive back anymore. So then it's a little different. Whoa. And eyes are a lot more on you when you're actually taking snaps, DJ. I know. You yeah, know yeah. I, I I don't know anything about that, so you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I so um so yeah, man. So I started making some plays. Alabama was the first team that actually offered me a scholarship before anybody oh, really? else. So yeah, yeah. So that that played a little bit of part of me ending up being there. And um, but I'll never forget, DJ. I, this is what really this one I knew was I was a different game changer about this whole quarterback thing was. So I ran one <laughs> touchdown. And I threw one, but I only threw the ball like from here to like this wall, like four yards. <laughs> Caught it, ran like shook two dudes and scored like fifty something yeah. yards. And yeah. the next day in the newspaper, they were like, "Oh, Harper leads Prattville to this, you know, this big win with his two big plays, you know, uh, a run and a pass." And I was like, "Dude, I ran, I threw the ball I, like four yards. It, it had no nothing to do with talent." See, that's the, that, that's the thing. Sometimes you know we hear it all the time. Sometimes QB in a win, they get a little too much credit. And then in the loss, sometimes yes. they take too much of the blame. So I've been there, done that. I know what it's about. But 
So playing QB, playing DB, did you get recruited to play QB though? Uh, you know what? I probably could have at a smaller school, but there was, I yeah. was in good school. So I, yeah, I yeah. always knew I was a defensive back regardless. Like right. that's what I always thought I was. I just had a really, a really fun time and I actually learned a lot playing quarterback. Yeah. Um, but personally though, I never, I never thought I was a, a quarterback. So <laughs> it was cool. I'd rather. You were just a good athlete. You was a good athlete. Huh? Yeah, I was a good athlete. I, oh, first of all, I threw for more yards than I ran for. So that, okay. that's a separate. Okay. Okay. Dual you know, threat. You know, we, we had a lot of court, we had a lot of teammates in college that you know did not have that. So right, right. I threw for more yards than I pat than I ran for, and I always knew I was going to be a DB. I wanted to hit people. I didn't want to yeah. get hit. So talk about the decision to go down to Tuscaloosa because I know you mentioned they were your, the first school that were kind of offered you and recruited you and all that kind of stuff. Was it always Alabama, or was there no. a, a possibility of going somewhere else? Yeah, so I, it came down to Alabama and Auburn. Uh, truly, it did. Uh, my brother wanted – my mom asked me to stay within the state. She said, look, all these schools offer you scholarships in the state. Your right. brother's over at Troy, so we like going to all your games. So could you at least maybe stay close within the state or something to try and make it easier on all of us to travel? Right. So I was like, all right, you know, they – they, you know, I ain't selfish like that. So, yeah, so um, – and I came down. I took a visit to everywhere that I could because that's what you do. You know what I mean? No 17, 18 years old, you got to go out. <laughs> got, got to see what it's like. <laughs> got to see what it's like. So, <laughs> and uh, so it came down to Alabama and Auburn. And I literally, DJ, I picked Alabama for these three reasons. Number one, because my high school colors were similar to Alabama's. It was like okay. red and a little bit of black okay. versus like the blue and the orange of Auburn. So yeah. I just, I knew I looked good in it already. So I was <laughs> going to that. Right? That's always a big factor. You got to look good in, in what you're rocking. I think that matters, dog. I, I think that matters. Um, you say red and black. I mean, like, I mean, you, you didn't ever want to go down to like three sixteen down to Athens down in, I, in that area. I, I liked Athens, bro. They didn't offer me though. Plus, I was not leaving the state. So, um, <laughs> Mom could have drove. Like she could have drove to Athens, but that's not a bad drive. That's not a bad drive, actually. Though <laughs> they didn't come a calling though. Sorry, right, though. Y'all had Greg Blue at the time. Ah, so cool. uh, yeah, my man, GB. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so what else? So I, the the color then Alabama was Nike and and uh, I had red in high school, so I was like, bro, I'm trying to upgrade. I'm trying to get Nike. And then yep, and then my DB coach, I liked him just a little bit more than Auburn's DB coach. That that's literally it. So you never know what your decisions are going to be based upon when you're like 18. So no doubt, they, that's what a mind were. Yeah, man. So uh, you get to Bama. Obviously, uh, everybody knows the intrigue that is Alabama. Uh, talk about what it's like playing uh, in Brian Denny every week. Talk about the experience of being at Alabama and kind of things you went through from a freshman all the way to, you know, your last year where, you know, you were an All-American, All-SEC type of guy. So, you know, get, first of all, it's, it's highly competitive when you get there, which all most big all schools, you know, big division schools are, big uh, big power five, whatever they call them now. Yeah. Um, it's highly competitive. But I, I just love the tradition at Alabama. The, the winning, all the championships, they are really, really big on tradition there. And it's one that nobody else really has. Um, it's kind of unique in its own little way, the way they are able to accumulate all these championships throughout the past and all these other things, Bear Bryant, um, and how much it just really takes you back. So that was something I really, really – I cherished when I got there and when I left there on my visit was 
the tradition was something that no right. other school had. Right. Um, I think that's a complete separator. The, everybody has crazy and big, great fans in the SEC, so I really can't act like Alabama fans are greater or less than so than somebody that's a Georgia fan because I've been right. to the Hedges too, and it's yeah. a great fan base. It's it's great. I've been to the Plains in Auburn. It's a great fan base. Yeah. Uh, I have not been to Florida, but I can only imagine how good their fan base is too. So. I don't Scotty really D, say yeah, Scotty D, my, my guy you made before you came on. He's, yeah. a, he's a huge gator, so he can definitely tell you. So he, he was shaking his head about that. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it, look, my brother is a huge Gators fan. He ain't even been on the campus. I don't even know that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I get it. So everybody's got him. But for me, man, um, just my campus experience and the times that I had on that campus, man, dude, it's irreplaceable. Um, when you yeah. play football at Alabama, you got clout, bro. And uh, the way they treat you on campus <laughs> around that city when you're actually doing well or playing well, it's a totally different film. Um, I, I definitely felt the difference from when I was just a freshman not playing to all of a sudden I was a sophomore and starting yeah. and getting a little bit of legs up under me. And the first time you get your name in the newspaper, actually, you know, your name starts to get out there. That stuff matters, especially yeah. when – you know, it ain't like it ain't – the girls ain't talking to me because of my nice car. No doubt. Because I'm <laughs> plays on Saturday. So, I yeah. I was one of those that didn't shy away from that uh, that attention. <laughs> I actually ran to it, and I, I enjoyed it. But it made me who I am, and I, I still got a lot of great friends uh, that they're on campus now to this day. Yeah, man, that's pretty cool. I mean – being a guy who, uh, similar to you, uh, the attention was always there uh, at the yeah. particular university. Uh, I'm sure when you make plays and your name's in the, the paper, uh, people pay a little more attention to you. Uh, one of the things I want to ask you, man, is obviously we have a bunch of kids who listen to the podcast. You have people who are, you know, in a profession or whatever they may be who listen to the podcast. Going from that freshman year to when you finally started to get an opportunity to play, what were some of the things you went through in that first year that prepared you to get ready for your opportunity? Because a lot of people are right there where they're about to get their opportunity, and as soon as they get it, then they're there. But what is it like, the preparation that gets you from, hey, I'm almost there, to, hey, I'm here? Well, it, it's the, the competition for me. And yeah. um, the, the competition really just drives me. So I'm always a goal-oriented person. I've always been that person since I was little. Um, so always trying to obtain goals and then chase, chasing something. Mm. And for me, I had my teammates. So my freshman year, I felt like I played pretty good. We all redshirted my whole year. Not only that, but look, I went through three coaches when I was at Alabama. We were not good, okay? <laughs> Everybody should know that. There were no championships coming around when I was there. Everything was <laughs> all right? And nobody, everything you did, you had to work for because we were on probation for two years. Then we got off, and then we had scholarship reductions, and we got our butts beat week in, week out. But, I mean, the, the guys that stuck it out in my senior class, man, it really paid off. So I'll talk about a couple of them now because those are the guys that I got to compete with and actually made me to say I always was so hungry because, yes, I started starting at Alabama as a sophomore, mm -hmm. but my, my roommate at the time was Charlie Pepper. He was a freshman All-American. Mm. I, I wanted to be a freshman All-American. So, yeah. And he played DB right beside me. So what did I have to do to try and continue to climb that, that rung or try and get that respect of my peers? Because that's what we ultimately try and covet. Sometimes when you're in a moneyless system, money mm -hmm. is not – you can't buy your way up. You can't mm -hmm. work your way hard enough up. All you can do 
is be voted upon and be looked upon as that yeah. guy. So how do you do that? It's by your play. So yeah. I was constantly trying to work and improve and do whatever I had to do to be able to separate myself, not only from just my teammates being known as a guy that does X, Y, Z, but then nationally to be able to get on that stage as well because we weren't winning and we didn't have all the eyes on us. So it'd be, they'd much rather like to put up a safety for all SEC, this or that, from another school that may have got more wins or another big program or something. So for me, that's what always internally drove me was just that I wanted to be acknowledged. I wanted to be mm-hmm. that guy. And, and I didn't, so many people are just naturally have that ability and confidence in themselves. For me, it was almost, I had to have it confirmed before I actually believed it in myself. And it just kind of happened that way for me. And I never really knew how good I could be or how good I was doing until going into my senior year. I was, I was invited to, to Arizona because I was a Playboy All-American. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was just happy to be there. It was Reggie Bush. <laughs> uh, Antonio Camardi was there. Uh, who else was there? A whole bunch of uh, – Eric Winston. Uh, what's the left tackle that's still playing for the Rams? Oh, my gosh. She was there. We had a whole, oh, bunch, yeah. of, a whole bunch of people there. And, uh, and I was there, and I'm just talking to the guy, and I was like, man, so, man, all these great guys. Like, how would y'all even find this team? I wasn't a – you know, I wasn't an – I wasn't an All-American last year. I, right. I think I made second team at All-SEC. I wasn't even first team. And they're like, oh, well, we picked a team based upon um, who do we think is going to be the best pro prospects in the next year's draft. I'm okay. like, so you think I'm going to go to the league? They were like, oh, yeah, man, you're going. You're fine. Last year, the year before. So you didn't think so going into your senior year, you didn't think you had an opportunity to go to the next level? I had. It was not even in my mind. I was just wow. enjoying college. I was purely just <laughs> enjoying college and being oh, where I was at. I was just in the moment. And I was competing with my own teammates, just trying to, like I said, get wow. recognized. And, and obviously I was being recognized. I had no, no clue. And they said the year before it was, you know, it was 22 guys. So 11 on offense, 11 on defense. And then they have a coach and a athletic guy. And then like a kicker punter. So like 25 total and 22 out of the 25 went, got drafted in the first three rounds the year before me. So I was like, they were like, you'll, you'll probably get drafted and you'll be fine. You'll play eight, 10 years, whatever. And I was like, so that moment on, it was confirmed for me, DJ. And then from there on, when I went back to Tuscaloosa after that, after that weekend, I, all my only goal was to get to the league. So everything yeah. I did was just about getting to the league. So class yeah. was like, eh, class. <laughs> maybe. I know, I know, maybe. I know we got some young people listening. Go to class, all right? I did it all the <laughs> But, but yeah. I, that was my mindset. To me, my goals yeah. didn't change. And yeah. that's all I cared about. And I worked towards it, man. It, it worked out for me. You know what, I think the great thing about what you said there, and you didn't even realize it, but I think this can go for a lot of people. You talked about, I put my head down, I went to work every day, I set goals, and at the end of the day, this is where I ended up. And I think that's where a lot of people fail is, they're so worried about everything else, they're so worried about, you know, trying to get here, get there, instead of just putting your head down and go to work. So uh, I think that's a great message, man. I I think a lot of people will get a bunch from that. Uh, For people who don't know, you mentioned a three-year starter, ended your career with 300 tackles, five interceptions, three and a half sacks, five forced fumbles. Dude, you was all over the place. I mean, <laughs> the numbers the numbers tell it, and you was just telling a story about obviously wanting to be drafted, getting drafted in the second round, pick 43 to the New Orleans Saints. You just talked about your junior year, not even thinking about the NFL, 
and then here's a year later you're getting drafted by the Saints. Talk about that emotion, that feeling when you heard your name call and it was in round two, it was early, and you were going yeah. to play in New Orleans. Well, DJ, uh, first of all, everybody always remembers if they're drafted, they're, where they were drafted at and that number, what it felt like, because that's something yeah. that all of us as young men that play the game of football dream of, yeah. you get that day, right? No and doubt. Um, so for me, it was really cool. So um, leading up to the draft, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a guy that likes to hang out and enjoy myself, especially during those times. Yeah. So I didn't do any partying, no drinking, no nothing for like months because I just wanted to be on the straight and narrow. I had all these, according to all these draft books, uh, all these safeties were ahead of me. So I just wanted to be able to put my best foot forward, like I said, like continue to this recognition that right. I was searching. Right. And um, so it gets to the night before the draft. I'm in Tuscaloosa and I'm like, dude, I've been hanging close and slow for long enough. I'm out. So I go out. <laughs> I go out. I gotta get in them streets. I, I gotta get in them streets. I go out. <laughs> I enjoy myself to the wee wee hours. I sleep all the way to the draft is starting the next wow. day. So I knew I wasn't going in the first round. My agent had told me I was probably gonna go anywhere from the second to the fifth round, just depending on who needed what and blah blah blah. I was like, okay, whatever. So yeah. I woke up like right as the draft was about to start. So I shower, drive it like an hour and twenty minutes home. The second round was about to start. I pull up. I didn't want to party. I didn't want people around because I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, I, and you'd heard all those little stories that people have and stuff and they don't get drafted. Sitting there way looking crazy, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so I was just sitting there. So I was just sitting there on my parents' couch, man, uh, playing on my uh, T-Mobile sidekick. Take you back. Oh, sidekick. Oh, I had a sidekick. <laughs> yeah. side, flip that thing up and you'd be. Boom. No, I was just going, going, going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just, you know, on my kid, on my sidekick, just texting a couple of homies. And then my mom was like, hey, somebody's on the phone. I was like, who's calling my house, your house for me? She's right. like, I don't know, but it sounds important. So I got it. It was Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton. They started talking to me, da da da. So they're going to draft me. Um, this, that, and the other. I don't even remember meeting with the Saints. That's how crazy it <laughs> really? was. Really? Yeah, they, they oh, didn't work man. me out. I didn't, I didn't have a workout with any team besides the Carolina Panthers. So I didn't know where I was going or what was happening. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they just got enough information on you. So you're good. And learn, learn, lo and behold, that's what Sean them told me. They're like, dude, you are safe. I'm like, yeah. that's not something you, you feel good about, but whatever. I mean, you had three years of ball under your belt. You had plenty yeah. of film. So, I mean, they, right. they knew you. So, uh, I yeah. mean, that's. It was good, man. So I got that call. I got that call. And I didn't say nothing, hung up the phone. I want to finish this part. Hung up the phone. Then my parents uh, were like, who was it? I was like, nobody. And then like, <laughs> No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. I was like, no, no. nobody, nobody. And then like three, four minutes later, my name scrub, scrub goes up under the bottom. Because like the same pick was not even up next when they were calling me. It was like two picks away. So uh, I, you know how it is. I've heard stories where they say they're going to draft you and then they don't. So I didn't. Uh, so I you weren't trying to keep it a surprise. You were just like, I still don't believe it. Right. I was like, oh, I believe when I see it. I believe <laughs> when I see it. Dang, that's pretty cool right there, man. That's a good story right there, man. I, I remember waiting all day to get drafted. I wasn't no second-round dude. I was a seventh-round guy, so imagine waiting around that long. But uh, I know but you know what, though, Shot? If you would have just left Georgia, you stayed so loyal. <laughs> if you just left Georgia, because I was in school when you did all this, and everybody oh, in the country was like, why is that was good. I, I, I couldn't come to Bama, man. Y'all, y'all had my man Brody, so y'all were good. Yes. You know, Brody, yes. Brody was, was my boy, but uh, 
Yeah, man, it was tough time. It was tough. It was it's tough. All right, it's all right. It all Georgia worked out, though. It all worked yeah. out. There we go. Georgia loves you because you were so loyal to them. <laughs> so you got Falcons love. You got Georgia love. I get it. It worked out for you. But I'm just saying, everybody questioned it at the time. But even no, like no. you said, you just kept your head down doing your thing, bro. And eventually, you know, the good stuff's going to come helping for the good people. No doubt, man. I appreciate you sharing that story, man, because I know a lot of people uh, are not able to be able to have that kind of experience. So to be able for you to be able to, you know, have a firsthand account of what, what how, how you went through that particular situation was pretty cool, man. All right, let, let's talk a little about this, this league life. You, you get right. to New Orleans, party capital. I mean, yeah. good food all the time. Um, you get a chance to play your first couple of years and, 09 was a, a magical year for you guys. Uh, but my rookie year, your rookie year, I remember us coming to New Orleans <laughs> after Katrina. And I remember, I remember how loud it was in that stadium and how crazy it was. Talk about that experience of that first Monday night game after <laughs> Katrina and the whole city behind you. And I remember one particular play. It, Mike came to the sideline. He had just got sacked or something. And the OC was asking him, like, what happened? He's like, I can't hit nothing first off. And they got, like, 14 dudes out there. I mean, we had no chance. We knew we weren't going to win that ball game. But talk about that first game, you know, getting to, getting to play Monday Night Football. And, you know, obviously with the Katrina situation happened, that was big for the city. Oh, that was huge. So – so I'm so glad that you brought that up because not many of us actually remember or were there at the scene of the crime when yeah, that happened, right? Right. And, and uh, that's so funny for hearing it from your side of it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so for me, for me, I was just excited. So the whole Monday night thing, first game back in the Dome because we had training camp all in Mississippi. So we were not able to get back to the Super Dome because it wasn't ready. Right. So that was one big thing. And her and Katrina just devastated New Orleans. It was just it was a city that was so it looked like a war zone it went off when I first came into New Orleans. I was just like, man, <laughs> this is this is what I'm having to go to. It <laughs> was definitely a shock. But everybody was so emotional that Monday night. You could feel it in the city. Everything was buzzing. The the, the people, it was a way to get away from Katrina and all the stress and the pain and the hardships from for like three or four hours. So they were ready. And me personally, I didn't go through anything bad. So all the hardships of Katrina didn't really faze me. I right, was just, right. I was more excited because I was getting to play against Michael Vick. I was like, Michael Vick <laughs> right, so right, for, right. So for me, I was like, dude, that's Mike Vick, dog. Like, man, that's I'm with so you. cool. Like, that, that was the coolest thing. <laughs> the same thing when I first got there. I'm like, I'm sitting here watching film talking about the same plays that he run. Like, I'm, I was in the same boat with you, so trust me, I know. <laughs> Every dude – that's such a rookie thing, too. I, I did it even with my own teammate that I got drafted with, Reggie Bush, when I first met him. I was like, dude, that's Reggie Bush, dog. I was like, <laughs> or, or Joe Horn or somebody. So right, we right. all go through those feelings and emotions. But once that ball kicked off and we blocked that first punt, mm. man, it was no like chance. game changer. It was, it, was, it was fun. I went back on it. Uh, I look back at that game because they replayed it earlier this year and I let my kids watch it with me. And they were like, Dad, you were you like play football. I'm like, yes, I know. Um, not only did I play, but I was pretty fast at the time too. So it was really cool just looking back on it. And that game was crazy. And we went on to the NFC Championship that year. Um, I tore my ACL like three or four games later after that Atlanta game. But it was still just cool to just be a part of a winning season 
And then uh, a couple down years. And then when 2009 hit, the Saints were not extremely high on me. I'd been had some ups and downs early in my career. But they brought in a guy named Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, who every, a lot of people hate. But I like him because he really – he, he, he pumped confidence into me and to my game. And yeah. he was very honest with me about how the organization felt about me, but that if I just listened and trusted him, that he felt that I could be one of the best. And he helped me kind of mold my career into that. Also, my other guy, Darren Sharper, and some other guys around mm. me, Dennis Allen, uh, mm. you know, uh, those guys. So they really uh, – Tony Oden, my other DB coach, just really helped pump confidence in me, understanding how I should play the game and go about it. I actually had somebody sit down and teach me how to watch film. Wow. I played the first couple of years and not, didn't really know how to do all that. So yeah. the better I got with the mental aspect of the game, the better I got as my career continued to just expand. And it's just like in anything in life, man. You, you have to continue to evolve. I'm not the same player I was in year two as I am in year seven. Mm. I maybe don't have the same speed, but I'm so much smarter, so the game slows down. So that allows me to play faster. You, and that's everybody in life, man. I, I tell people all the time, you got to be like the crocodile, not the dinosaur. That's, that's just evolution. So like you got to be that guy. Yeah, man. I like that. That's good stuff, man. I mean, I, you just dropped a couple of gems on the folks right there. They got to, <laughs> got to rewind that thing to hit some of them things come out. Uh, you talk about that 09 season and having somebody believe in you and be quite frank with you. And obviously, it turned out to be pretty good. Turned into a Pro Bowl year for you. First time going to the Pro Bowl. You got to go to the Super Bowl. You talked about that first Monday night game. But talk about playing in the Super Bowl because I don't think – you know, there's not many people who can say they played in the Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl. What was that like to be able to play in the Super Bowl and then say, hey, you know, I'm a pro bowler as well? So, first of all, going to the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl the same year was cool because that was the first time they played the Pro Bowl before the Super Bowl. So, yeah. I technically couldn't play in it, but I still got cash. Still got that check. Still got that I check. still got the check, though. <laughs> so, that was cool. The only thing would have been better is if the NFC would have won the game. They lost yeah. the game. So, I got so you got, so you got the lesser amount, yeah. I got the lesser amount, but it was still like free money. And I got all the gear. So, and you got all that playoff money, too. So I got all the playoff money, too. You're right. So it was like, it, was, it wasn't bad then. Because I was doubling it up. I, did, yeah, I definitely kind of doubled up on my rookie year. <laughs> so, um, but then to get to the Super Bowl, man, it, it's crazy because you practice and prepare for two straight weeks. And we played against the Colts, man. And Peyton Manning was the MVP. He was lights out how good he was. And when they played the Jets in the AFC Championship, the Jets had them on the ropes. The Jets beat them up the first half, and they were up 14 or so. Mm -hmm. And when we did our film study, we learned the second half, Peyton Manning figured it out. So he started putting them up in the second half, throwing the ball all over the place, and they came back and won. Yeah. So our whole thought process was, was we wanted to have enough bullets to shoot at Peyton Manning to where in the fourth quarter we had at least something we could shoot at him that he'd never seen before. Still trying to figure that, it out. Yeah. Still trying to figure it out because he was that good wow. and he was that smart. So we had two different wristbands to wear during the game, which we never wore wristbands all year long, but they did hurry, a lot of hurry up, no huddle stuff. So one way to make sure that we all were all on the same page, there was no, never an excuse for, I don't know, I did not hear, I do not understand. That was our mantra. Mm -hmm. So – we all had wristbands on. We changed them at halftime. So we had a whole new play call sheet on the second half for stuff that we were saving that we didn't run in the first half just because we knew we had to have enough to be able to throw at them. And, dude, all we, it's not like we stopped them either. Look, we won that game, and we stopped the Indianapolis Colts. 
twice. That's it. Crazy. So the the crazy. Like we that don't even <laughs> think they punted the ball. I don't even think they punted the ball. Wow. So we stopped them right before the half. They went for it on like they gave it to the fullback on like a fourth and one, like a dumbass call. Sorry. And then, <laughs> and then and then in the second half, Tracy Porter picked them off, intercepts and pick six in the fourth quarter. Other than that, they scored on every drive. So that's all it takes. That's all it takes. And um, we just had to, and we stole a possession with the onside kick. Yeah, which was yeah. actually supposed to go to me, but uh, it hit off Hank Baskins. Lucky enough, he didn't make the play, and then we got it. So it was cool. Oh man, I remember that like yesterday watching that. Like <laughs> I can't believe they just did that, and it was crazy. Oh man, I mean the fact. I mean, I mean Sean Payton comes in at halftime. Is like, hey. I'm running ambush. We just—he looked at me. I was just like, "All right, dude, whatever, man. Like, call it, then. All right." Because I'm just trying to worry about defense. I ain't got right, time for you right, to, right. to be all in my ear, being all crazy. We got like. So what was the feeling like? Did did, did did guys feel like, yeah, we needed this, or like, oh, this could change the game? Like, was dudes like, you know what? I don't, even, like, I, don't, I don't even think we thought that much into it. I, I think Sean said he was going to call it, and then. In my mind, I didn't think he was going to really call it. It was just yeah. one of those things. But, like, when it really comes off, like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, oh, hey, if we get this look, we're going to run a fake punt. I'm like, okay, okay, Sean, we're going to run a fake punt. I've heard him say that all week long, and we yeah. don't run a fake punt. Wow. So I was kind of thinking the same thing, and then all of a sudden he was like, hey, we're still running. We're going. So, I mean, no Man. time to get nervous now. I just Amazing. knew it was supposed to come to me, but it didn't never make it to me. I just covered up my man Chris Reese. It was crazy. Man. And then to win it, then I just uh, the the party afterwards in Miami, mm. just the feeling of being a world champ, That's uh, having my best friends from back home, my family with me. There's no better feeling just holding that trophy after a game. And I've never had that end of the year meeting with your head coach. Shock is something about it where Sean Payton gets up there. You know how it is the end of the year meeting. We got the yeah. exit meetings. You got this. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah. that. Yeah. He gets up there and he's like. I have nothing to say. Like, we did it. That, wow. That's the only time that's ever happened to me in my life. Dang. So, uh, we did it. There's nothing else I can say. And we set up for the parade after that. Well, that's an unreal story. Like, to hear what you guys did to prepare for the Super Bowl and to pull off the own side, then what happens afterwards, then <laughs> to give people the insight of how that went. That's just a that's an awesome story, bro. I appreciate you sharing that because that's uh that's different. I think everybody remembers that Super Bowl vividly and the onside kick and what you guys had to go through, but nobody knew you guys had to wear two wristbands. You had to have multiple calls <laughs> to to try to fool Peyton because everybody knows about uh, the stuff that Peyton uh, does at the line of scrimmage. So uh, that's pretty cool, man. And you know, a, a lot of people don't know about you know you you play tons of years in the in the league. Uh, you ended up with 819 tackles and 18 sacks, bro. I mean, you run a line of scrimmage that much, bro? I mean. I was under that uh, Greg Williams. I had a couple – dude, I had one year I almost broke the record for NFL for sacks for a DB. I think I had like crazy. eight and a half. I led my team with like eight and a half. That's crazy. crazy. From, the, from the safety spot, which is crazy. So, uh, for people who don't know, people, many people may do know you played for the Panthers. Uh, and obviously, you came back and played for the Saints. But – Played in Super Bowl 50 against the Broncos. Could have had your two rings, but uh, uh, that one didn't work out in your favor. Uh, but to play in two Super Bowls is pretty crazy, bro. I mean, uh, it's kind of unimaginable. I, I know a guy, and my guy, Tequil Spikes, who played in the league, I don't know how many Long? years, never, like made it to the, never made it to the playoffs. Like, how crazy, crazy is that? 
And, and it seemed like every year he left somewhere, they would go. And they would go, yeah. Because <laughs> 11 went to like San Diego and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Man, you know, it, it's, it's crazy it's though, because Shock, you know, uh, Shock, you know, I played in Super Bowl 50 against Peyton Manning and they beat us. Mm -hmm. And he was half as good as he was when we beat him in Super Bowl 40. Yeah, it was all that defense then, yeah. It was all that defense, but, you know, <laughs> so it just lets you know the best teams don't win the game because yeah. that Panthers team was probably the best team I'd ever been on, man. We had the whole world dabbing at one point in time. It was crazy. Hey, Rob, y'all won, won 15 games that year. Who did y'all lose to that year? Atlanta Falcons. Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. I, I couldn't even – I totally forgot about that, man. I, could, I just – Nah. It's all right. I mean, they didn't even go to the playoffs. That was like they won big things. <laughs> it was. It was. Total, total typical Atlanta Falcons style. No doubt. Total it was. Typical. No no doubt. I, I, just, I just had to mess with you on that. <laughs> that but, felt uh, so good. That, that, that <laughs> Bro, man, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we lost, though, because our coaches were getting the tight butt. Oh, my gosh. Every, yeah, they were, like, feeling the pressure of being undefeated. It was crazy. It's crazy, yeah, but go ahead. I'm sorry. So you, uh, you know, you, you finish your career, go back to New Orleans, obviously finish your career up, and now you're out of football. I text you uh, when I found out you got the new gig with the SEC Network, and I was reading somewhere where uh, I guess somebody asked you about being in the media, and you said, hey, somebody always told you that you gave great interviews, so you was like, hey, I tried out. Is that kind of how the media world started for you? Uh, yes, it did. Uh, exactly <laughs> kind of how it started. Um, well, people say I was pretty good at it. And then I, once I retired, I wanted to do absolutely nothing. Yeah. So I took 365 days and did nothing at all. <laughs> just kind of just lived around the house, no goals, no nothing. And then all of a sudden I kind of came out of the cave. I literally did 365 days to the day. Oh, then I wow. said, all right, what do I want to do? I would need something to inspire me. I'm still goal oriented. That's the only way I know how to work and go. Right. So what do I want to do? So I took a couple business class. I took one at Columbia. That was cool. Do I want to be like an investor type dude? Do I want to start my own company? I was like, nah, I don't really want to grind like that. That's way too much grinding. Right. And then I kind of started doing, I did a, a broadcast boot camp with the NFL, really enjoyed it. And then I was just like, well, how could I continue to try and do more of this? Because it keeps me around the game. But emotionally, I'm not attached to wins and losses like I have been my whole life, right. where I'm, I'm pissed off about a play for two or three days, where I come home and I'm mad about this and I'm throwing a sign. And my wife has this, <laughs> this crazy sign that says, happy wife, happy life. One, oh, day, no. one day after a loss, I took it and threw it because I was just angry. <laughs> <laughs> why is it always, why is this always no. about you, right? <laughs> Bad stuff. So, Let me go through something. Was, yeah, so uh -huh. just emotionally, I was divorced from football, and it felt good because I've been playing football since I was in fourth grade. So yeah. it felt good to be in a different place, a different lane. And, but it still allowed me to be around the game. So I started working with the TV station, WDSU, down in New Orleans covering the Saints, and we did primetime games. So I did like four or five games with them the first year. Then the second year, I signed back on to do it with them again. And then when I wasn't doing those down in New Orleans, I'd be working here in Fox uh, covering the Panthers. So it just really just put me just all in with – and, you know, they kept talking about getting reps, reps, mm -hmm. reps, reps. So I started yeah. doing that. Then I started doing a, re a local radio show here, just really figuring out who I am as Roman Harper, the analyst of sports. And yeah. I, it made me a more comfort zone. And then I had to try out with SEC Network, bro, and uh, it went well, man. And now I'm just doing the SEC Nation. I got the SEC Final. And I'll do it every SEC now. And we had a great time with me and you were on there. The, the, even yeah. the producers, like, 
dude, you guys, you guys must really like each other. You guys, know each other. Like, you guys chemistry was really good. I'm just like, oh yeah, she talks to my dude, man. I've known yeah, man. In college, so yeah, it's just one of those things. It's cool, man. I was I was excited for you, man. I can when I saw the news, I was like, I gotta hit him up. Uh, obviously, I remember when I came in a couple years ago, it was pretty cool to to be a part of that brand, and now you get a chance to talk about. Uh, the SEC every week in and out and break it down and yeah, um, I like hearing you on games too, man. You're calling good game. I, I appreciate. Love, it. I always love hearing quarterbacks talk about the game and yeah. what you guys see because I see it completely opposite. But it's good when that. But it's the same thing. It's the you same guys, thing. You guys get that same overall view as QBs do, so that's why I think I, I think that's why it's good for us to have conversations because we see the game, but we see it on a different side. And right. it's pretty cool. I always talk to DBs because DBs are just as smart. I mean, when I first got to the league, uh, you figure out quickly how smart DBs are and how they read and stuff, how they, you know, looking at stuff. So I was yeah. like, these dudes just like us. So they study the game just like that. Um, let's jump into the big game this weekend. Before let's we let go. you get out of here. Let's go. Big game this weekend. Uh, just want to get, you know, kind of both sides of it. Uh, your thoughts on Georgia and also your thoughts on Bama. All right, well, I'll just go ahead and just put this out here right now. I think Georgia's the best team in the um, – in the in probably – well, I'm not going to say they're better than Clemson, but they've been the most consistent and best-looking team in the SEC to right. me so far. Um, and that is because of their defense. I mean, it's it starts and stops right. with them. And when you are a team that's doing something that nobody else is doing around <laughs> you, that will put you above the rest. So you're right? actually playing defense? All right. Yeah. Like if, if you do just one thing that nobody else is doing, <laughs> that right there already separates you from everybody else around you. No doubt. And Georgia's defense travels, and they are well able to do whatever they need to do. And they're big up front. And they're they're fast at linebacker. They're everything you need at linebacker. Not only that, but they got depth. They got four or five guys that they put Crazy. out there, and yeah. not a drop comes in. So they just do things differently. Um, I really enjoy watching them because um, even I love Monty Rice in the middle. But then when they substitute that number twenty-five, Quay Williams in, he's yeah. just as fast. He's almost yeah. faster and just he just wreaks havoc. It's almost like they use him differently. So, uh, and you like Ojolari on the end. I like the Dean. I like Nolan Smith. I like all these guys. So, so Ro, how does that match with – how does that match with the strength of Alabama, which is their right. offense, putting up all those points? Where, where, where do you see that matchup going in this ball game? So, I think games are made and lost because of matchups. Right. If you're good enough in coaching-wise, you can make it up. So, right. Ole Miss is a bad matchup for Alabama. Ole Miss is a, a bad matchup for a lot of people. <laughs> yes, they are. Because of what they do yeah. and the way Lane Kiffin has built it. The Lane train is different than what Kirby Smart is doing. Kirby Smart is built just like Alabama. No doubt. So, the matchup is easier for Alabama to face a Georgia team than what they do versus an Ole Miss. Because, first of all, Georgia's quarterback – is, he's good. Stetson Bennett is, is serviceable. He's good. He's solid. But he's not a world beater like what they just faced. And I thought Matt Corral put on a show last week against no Alabama and everything yeah. they do. So I think that will be easier for Alabama to defend. And is Georgia willing to get out of their comfort zone to do something mm. a little bit different? If you're willing to do something that you've never done to do something that you've never done, which is beat Alabama, Kirby Smart, then you maybe need to pick up the pace, up-tempo things. It's the things that give Alabama fits is what most teams are not willing to do. 
which is what Gus Malzahn does, which is what Kirby Smart does. Uh, well, not Kirby Smart, but Lane Kiffin does. Is the up tempo, the things that make Alabama's defense uncomfortable. Where now well, they can't a- get out in and out of the huddle. They can't line up and be now that when they line up and just play ball, they're right. better than you. But right. when they're not ready, they're not set. They're all out of whack. That is how you beat them. Here's a question I ask you: You just mentioned do something that you're not used to doing. If you're Georgia, if you're Georgia, are you willing to come into a game like this and try to do something that you're not, or should you just be who you are? Because so, we know in this game, if you have a couple of empty possessions, it may go bad for you if you're Georgia. Do you try to change it up a little bit, or you just try to you know stay who you are? That's true. So what you should do, Shock, is go back and go back in time. You look at the 2017 national championship, Georgia versus Alabama. Jake Fromm's the quarterback. They did some no huddle up tempo situations in that game, and they didn't do anything special. But fake it in the I formation, fake it in the fullback to the flat and just yeah. give it to them. But it continued to move the drives and keep the drives going and make Alabama uncomfortable. Because once they start, once you start attacking Alabama in those ways, their defense gets really, really dumbed down. Their yeah. D line are not attacking and penetrating. They're just kind of holding the point. They're not, they get very, very stale. And then next thing you know, their athletes are not as athletic as they were before. They start to turn into robots, and you know what you're going to get in these situations. So that is how you dictate what you need to do against them. For me, if I'm Alabama, if I put the shoe on the other foot, what I'm trying to do against Georgia's defense is I'm trying to stretch them horizontally before and then horizontally in the run game. Speed, mm-hmm. re- speed reverses, a lot of outside stretch. Get to that edge, get to the perimeter. Yeah. yeah, I want to try and get to the perimeter as much as possible. Make their big guys run and come get me. And I know I'm not going to get a lot of yards a lot of times, but it's not about that. It's more about the attempts. And then I'm going to continue to try and do these things. Then I will start to hit them with more downhill runs and play action. And I'm going up top to Waddle over at least five to six times this game. I've got to do it. Got to make it happen because that guy is a game changer. And Matt Jones throws a really good deep ball when he's protected. So I'm matching protecting. A lot of this, if I'm doing vertical or horizontal play fakes, all that stuff, because that is how they've gotten Georgia in the past, because they like to play their safeties coming down and get these some of these uh, behind-the-motion sweeps. They like to rotate and flip these safeties. That is how you get bad eyes, people moving, then that is when you go up top. That's what I would do if I'm Alabama. Would you think it would be smart, because Georgia loves to play press man on the outside, and with the speed that Alabama has, you miss one jam and they're gone – do you think it's wise that they stick with that game plan and try to get their hands on those receivers, or should they try to play a different type of cover? No, you still got to get hands on your receivers. Like these, look, it's a. I've learned from watching Alabama DBs. These jokers don't even know how to backpedal. Shot, so <laughs> Georgia ain't no different. They don't even know how to backpedal. Dog. All they know how to do. That's that's another thing I wish that they would change too. Because once they get in the NFL, they struggle because you can't play in. You don't know how to play in space. Yeah. In NFL, you got to be a space player. You can't just yeah. put up here and put your hands on people because after five yards, you can't touch them. It's a yeah. different game. That's why yeah. the DBs at Alabama are not uh, continue to just rise at the highest level the way they get drafted. Some really good, not all. But yes, they got to still press them. If I'm Georgia, you still got to physically try and dominate and play against these guys like you do. You just got to know when the shot is coming. Where is he lined up? What's a down and distance? What part of the field we in? Those things, because coaches all got tendencies, so you got to learn the tendencies, and then that is when they're all going to show up. All right, Ro, last thing I got for you. You know, I'm going to ask you, 
What's the prediction? What happens in this game? Saturday night, 8 p.m. prime time. Who wins the ball game? So I was just talking to my nation producers about that, and I was just like, look, man, I still got to go home at some point. So I got to go with Bama, even though I think Georgia is probably the better team. I think Georgia is playing better right now. If I'm a Georgia fan, I'm very happy about where I'm at right now, and I like my chances. But I'm going to find – I've got to go with Alabama because I'm not going to pick against the champ until somebody else knocks them off. I'm with you. And I, I, and I'm, and I think the coach that's going to knock them off the fastest that he coached or, or that had him up under him is Lane Kiffin because Lane Kiffin <laughs> does not – he doesn't try and build an Alabama-like program. He's mm-hmm. building his own different one. Kirby yeah. Smart, Pruitt, all these other guys are trying to build like a mini Alabama program. So it's really hard. When you do the same things, and Alabama's still the older brother and been doing it for longer. So for that reason alone, I'm going to take Alabama, and it's at home. So, so give, Lane, give, give, give Lane a couple years to get the type of players he wants in there. It's going to be real oh, dangerous. Nick, Nick better retire <laughs> if he don't want that loss. Nick better retire. <clears throat> well, man, Rome, I appreciate you joining us today, man. It's been fun. It's been uh, – we had a lot of good laughs. Uh, I think a lot of people will have a, a lot to take out of all the things you mentioned today from the Super Bowl to – you know, how you get yourself prepared, how you, you know, mentally just push through a lot of obstacles that you've been through already. So um, I want everybody to try to watch my man, Roman Harper. You can find him every Tuesday. He's on SEC Now uh, throughout the week. You can find him on SEC Nation at 10 in the morning, uh, having a good time with the boys and Laura. So, uh, Roman, man, I appreciate you joining us, man. And uh, it definitely was a pleasure, man. I appreciate you taking a little time. Uh, Before I let you go, man, Talk about your family. I love for guys to talk about their family and what it means to them to show that, hey, we're not just some athletes. We are family men as well. We're good dads. We're good husbands, all that kind of stuff too, man. So before we go, man, talk about your family and how important they are to you. Well, man, I look, man, I appreciate that opportunity, man. I don't ever shy away from talking about my family or my loved ones. Um, first of all, I'm extremely, extremely blessed man of faith. And my, my daughter, my wife is my rock. She's been by me through the thick and thins when, you know, we dated in high school, broke up. Trust me, we've been a long time, long, long time. Man. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's not always good that people know each other that long. I know it's right. a beautiful story now, but it wasn't always beautiful. Bro, I've been but with my wife since high school. <laughs> you know, I know you know what I'm talking about. Dude. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so I got a daughter. My oldest daughter is London Ray. She is, uh, well, just London with London Ray Harper. Uh, she's eight. Then my younger daughter, my baby girl, Sydney, she is six. My son, Roman the second, he is four. And we got a newborn, uh, another baby boy, my youngest and last, because I ain't doing that. No <laughs> you, you two for two uh, now, you good. Yeah, I'm two for two. We are good. Even Steven on the family. His name is Soul. His name is Soul Chankuwaste Harper. I like that. Soul, like uh, we named all of our kids after foreign cities. So Seoul, oh, nice. South Korea. Chankuwaste means uh, good path in his mom's uh, native tongue. She's Native American and Lakota Indian. So oh, that's nice. what we did. Yeah, man. So everything's got meaning, got path. And dude, just trying to uh, do the best I can with what I got every day, man. Loving awesome. all my kids. And it's everything I can, man. So thanks for that opportunity, Chuck, man. Great time on your show, man. You're going to keep doing your thing, man. I, I love listening, too. So it's <laughs> good. I appreciate it, man. Well, much respect, Roman, man. You've been a blessing to... I know our listeners uh, continue doing great things. You know, you always got somebody room for you. Uh, always enjoyed your friendship, bro. And uh, we appreciate everybody joining us here on the Triple Three Podcast. My man Roman Harper came through and dropped it down for us. Had a good time. 
Continue to listen, continue to subscribe, and uh, we appreciate you guys doing it. This has been the Triple Threat Podcast. My man Roman Harper signing off. I'm BJ Shockett. We'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.